podcast of Read Your Ireland Days and I'm Valerie and I'm here with Sheila and Emma who have kindly agreed to be my guinea pigs for the first podcast and Read Your Ireland Days is, is um, generally going to be a chat with women who work in the arts um, and who obviously are artistic and uh, the, in general they're going to be friends with each other and we're going to just chat about their arts and their lives and their um, interests and everything like that because I think they're cool and why not let every people other people hear them and learn from them and stuff so uh, Sheila is um, full name is Sheila Nigul I had to ask her about the pronunciation of that and Emma is Emma Jarvis and um, so first off I'll introduce Sheila because you're a classically trained harpist isn't that correct yeah yeah so, how'd you get into that, Sheila? How'd you like the harp? Um, my, my aunt was a harpist, and when I was a little kid, um, we would go over to her house, and I was always just fascinated with it. Um, and my family, that side of the family, are all very musical anyway, so everybody kind of played instruments. But I started asking my parents for a harp when I was about three or four. And they kept, <laughs> apparently they were saving. They just kept putting me off and putting me off until they could afford one. Um, and I think I was probably about 11 or 12 when I started. But I had been playing piano all along anyway. And uh, yeah, ended up doing music in college because I couldn't really do anything else. <laughs> yeah, the, the one track. track. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Because the harp... Um, the harp, it, like, it strikes me as a really kind of complicated instrument. It's like, there's how many strings are in a harp? Uh, it depends on whether it's an Irish harp or a concert harp. So the Irish or Celtic harp is the smaller one, and mine has 34 strings. 34 strings. And then the concert harp is bigger, and mine has 48. So. Unbelievable. Like, if somebody's, like, it's kind of daunting, isn't it? Seeing all those strings and going, like, where do you even start? Um... The harp is one of those instruments where it's really easy to make a nice sound out of it if you don't know anything about it, but it's quite difficult to become very technically proficient on it without, you know, a lot of practice and stuff. It's not like where you can kind of teach yourself five chords on the guitar and mm, play away. A couple of songs, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I think if you're going to take on an instrument like the harp, where it's big and it's expensive and it's awkward to move around mm. and there's sometimes pain and discomfort involved, you know. In your fingers, is Yeah, it? in your fingers. And it's it's not a very natural position to sit in either. Some people get back and neck problems and mm. stuff. Um, but if you're going to do all that, then it's not like you're not going to be willing to put in the practice time and the hours and stuff, you know. Yeah. So if you take it on in the first place, I think you're just... You're going to Committing do the work. To it. Yeah, and it is. It's a commitment. I think you recorded an album, and then to promote the album, um, Emma then, who is a absolutely amazing photographer. I, I mean, I'm not just saying that. You have got a fantastic eye. You did all her promotional photos, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. How like they're very arty. She's in a bath, and like, how did you decide on the image that was to accompany the album? Mm, how did we decide? It kind of a. Well, the album's quite kind of it's a bit gothic sounding mm. anyway and the title Great Expectations you know is the play on the Dickens thing and I think I had this image in my head of this sort of weird Ophelia drowning woman in a Victorian style bath <laughs> I don't know why and 
I think didn't did you I think did we I go said, to a few hotels to look no, at? I, yeah um or, Perry number one in Limerick they they race they recently renovated their hotel and I'd been in there for various different shoots and things and I knew that they had a beautiful suite with a beautiful bath and checkered floor marble yeah. floor and everything else and screens and I just thought oh Jesus you know big high ceilings big windows that we could do something quite cool there. Yeah. We didn't know we were going to do the bath thing in the bath at that point. Yeah, it was all very sort of, let's show up and see, see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> and that's one thing, I mean, I've, I've only really seen you in action once and I was just so impressed with the way that you handled it, right? Because like um, you did the photos for Cafe Ireland Days and mm. you turn up, you didn't know us, you know, of course you know Sheila, but you didn't know us, it's like, nine o'clock in the morning in this cafe you hadn't seen it before yeah and it's the lighting was desperate you didn't even know we it didn't even know where to sit. yeah it was desperate and you were like just took it in your stride and i thought like the photos were just beautiful um but like it, it was in your head where you're like going oh my god i've got to put on a smiley face here now and pretend that it's grand or do you just kind of take that in your stride and go okay great i'm going to work with this and do that and or do you, how do you what's in your head yeah i think my 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 previous job was press so you'd get you literally you'd get you'd get an email or you get a text or a piece of paper saying you need to go to this job meet this person and all you have is name and a number and possibly who the, who was going to be publishing it so that you know say if it's for the examiner or the Indo or the Times or whatever, do you know what I mean? Or whatever, yeah. or any magazine or anything. So you just really don't know what you're going to be doing. So you kind of have to. There's an element of surprise, and you go with it. You it? literally just wing it. Yeah, you literally kind of go because there's never any props or anything. You just have to use what's there and feel out the person that you're meeting. And, and yeah. so, just... did you think you developed that, or do you think you just had that naturally? Then. I'd say a bit of both. I'd say I'm very adaptable anyway because of my upbringing and the way I've been brought up and coming to Ireland and just sort of I'd definitely be adaptable anyway but yeah definitely definitely it's a skill that you'd learn as well you know you'd hone it for sure so you I want to ask you now the way you were brought up why why what how has that influenced you oh well I was born in Jersey but I grew up in Portugal but at 11 I went to boarding school in England so my mum still lives in Portugal <laughs> but I just did a lot of traveling as well yeah. and then you know I kind of left home quite young and went off traveling and went to Brazil and then I went back to England and then I came to Ireland and then just so I just you just have to adapt to whatever environment yeah. you're in every like. couple of years Emma disappears for a year or two you know <laughs> backpack on the back and she's gone <laughs> and is, has photography always been your passion or did you study art or what yeah no it has it's um when I was little I always had little you know little cameras um and when I was when I was 20, when I was about 20, I guess, I got my first SLR Minolta. And um, I went to Morocco for a birthday, and literally just for a few days, because actually it was my 21st, I got my first proper SLR Minolta camera, and it was for my 21st birthday. It was just after 9-11, actually. It was two days afterwards, oh. my, 13th, my 13th of September. And, uh, and I was there... We took the ferry over and I was there in the Medina looking out and it was like, wow, the colours and just the smells and the senses. And of, of course, then I became snap happy and yeah. and that's kind of when it really took off, I guess. But I'd always had a little camera always, but mm. learning the technical side of it, you know, about shutter speeds and apertures and film it's, speeds. It's and, hard. You know, I mean, I have yeah. friends that are into photography now and it's not just a point and 
big yeah. thing. It's there's so much to it, and it's actually quite expensive. It, you know, with all the lenses and everything. And yeah, it is. And then isn't does the whole uploading and photoshopping and all that stuff afterwards the editing well. side of it yeah. yeah i'm i'm kind of lucky in that again because the press you can't really edit pictures really for press mm. you know you kind of have to take the picture as they are obviously you can crop you can do technically you can do everything that you could have done in the darkroom editing wise for, for newspapers and magazines really unless you're fashion or something do you know what i mean mm. so that kind of side but so that would be sort of where I would have learned in terms of the editing, it would have been kind of basic editing. Really so, now. Like, so you'd got your first camera, proper one of 21, and then, because you're a professional photographer, mm. so between then and now, how did you get into it? I mean, how, did you have to study it, or did you just yeah, learn as you went yeah, along? Yeah, 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 I, I went to um, Limerick Cena actually, and I did a diploma thing there, just very basic really, but um, yeah, I. I learnt the old school way as well. I learnt with film. Um, I think I did one module of digital photography and that was it. So I spent all my time in the darkroom. I had my own darkroom. You, you have your own darkroom? I had, oh, I had, had, yeah. Yeah, I had two. But now I don't have any. One wasn't good enough. One was <laughs> <laughs> Two different houses. <laughs> okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, so, but then, as I said, then I went off travelling. And when I got back, I... I got this amazing opportunity to work with a press agency and that was how it started really. So I, I mean you're freelance is it? Is yeah. that the way it works and Sheila you're kind of a freelance musician aren't you? Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> I teach yeah. Yeah so you both so, of you work for yourselves in a way. Yeah. Um, Which is very I really admire that because there's a bit of a uncertainty in it isn't there? Oh, definitely I mean coming from having the salary and the pension and the sick leave mm. and all that to doing this is quite terrifying like, there's no safety net yeah. you know if i'm sick i don't earn anything if i you know out of work for any reason i don't earn anything there's that you can't rely on anybody else or something you know so you just you can't miss work and you mm. can't get sick and you yeah. can't um just decide not to show up because you're a bit hungover or something. <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> you, know, you worked in broadcasting, right? I did, yeah. yeah. You were a broadcasting coordinator in Lyric FM. Yeah. Mm. And, you know, that that was a really rewarding and interesting job. Um, But at the end of the day, you go home at night and you leave it behind. And, you know, it's, it's very different. Mm. Like when you're... And you always know the salary's going to be there yeah. at the end of the week. And you always know you can pay your mortgage and you can do this, that and the other. But uh, I think this whole working freelancing and working for yourself thing is sometimes really scary when, you know, mm. of course, when you're yeah. used to a salary and you're used to that. But do you think that you're happier because of it? Absolutely. Yeah. It's funny because the two of you strike me as really happy and kind of free spirited and um, it definitely comes through in you and um, there's I more of a sense of achievement like when I get when I have a student who does well in an exam or a parent who rings me up to say thanks or you know even a phone call saying you were recommended to me by someone else you know that's so much more rewarding than someone in an office saying oh 
you're getting an increment because you've been working yes. every year, you know. Oh, let's have your um your performance review. Yeah, <laughs> you know, great performance review. Well done. It's not there's not the same at all the same sense of achievement and it doesn't yeah. have that personal part of it. Does yeah, it? It's and the it doesn't personal have relationship that. you build with people. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, and I like we just moved here a few years ago and we did not know anyone, but I have a kind of a circle of friends and a support network now through my teaching the parents mm-hmm. of my students and my adult students and stuff and I know there's people I can call if you know I don't know if I'm in trouble if my car breaks down or I need yeah. someone to you know feed the cat or something yeah. and that's all through what you're using yeah all through all through teaching anyway and then through the other freelancing you know gigs and touring and that kind of stuff you meet people that become friends then for mm. life you know like we're here in Sheila's place in McCroom and it's lovely and um, we're here by the fireside and it's it's so idyllic and she's got she introduced us to her new chickens earlier which inevitably are going to have unusual names as time goes on they already do okay Tosca, Turandot, Mimi and Mano they're all Puccini opera heroines oh my god right yeah can you tell them apart yet can you tell them about yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, Turandot is this really big haughty one she's kind of paler than the rest of them and she's always giving you the eye you know she kind of sticks her head out and she's like and then Mimi is the other big one but she's very timid and very quiet and Mano is the smaller but very pretty one she's got these very symmetrical white dots on her neck Oh my God. And you only got um, them last night. I only got them last night. <laughs> she sat all last night with them, getting yeah. to know them. <laughs> Naming oh animals God. is one of my favourite parts. <laughs> Maybe that's why I keep, you know, getting them getting growing. Them. <laughs> because growing family. A, a horse and a donkey. Don- the donkey's called Patrick Stewart, isn't yes. it? Yes. The horse is actually belongs to our landlord, but I kind of look after him and stuff. Okay. He's Hector. So. Um, and then yes, we have the four Puccini opera heroines, and we have uh, dog and a cat, a dog and two cats. Yeah, because they're like the two of you like have lived in cities, right? Mm. And it's like you both seem to have retreated into nature, isn't that kind of the way? I was only talking to my mother about this this mm. morning, actually, when I was telling her about the chickens, because I grew up in Dublin, and I, I at her, like I was just such a city girl. And when I was 16, um, my father got a job with Lyric FM and they were based in Limerick and got this figari that we were all moving down to County Clare to live in the country. And it was the end of my life. I wanted nothing to do with it. You know, I was in living in Limerick City as soon as I could and, oh, hated it, hated it. Too quiet, it was too dark, people yeah. were weird. <laughs> it's very ironic, yeah. I'm just going to ask you both... Um, if they're who in particular in your lives or people that you know yeah you don't know or do know have inspired you and it might necessarily be in your music or photography but in even in your lives my parents i think in different ways in very different ways but yeah my father sort of musically he's big into music and when i was a child was constantly introducing me to listen to this Bob Dylan and listen to this Joni Mitchell and um, getting me out making, you know, forcing me to <laughs> not forcing, in a nice way, forcing me to go out and play sessions and, you know just 
to surround and immerse myself in music constantly. Um, and like I was, I had a classical education, but he always felt like that wasn't really enough. So he bought me a guitar and, you know, encouraged me to teach myself. Or if I liked a song I heard, he sort of started making me learn things by ear. So I'd say, oh, I'd love the sheet music for that. And he'd say, no, just pick it up, listen and pick it up, you know. Yeah. So that's a, a really nice wow. handy skill I have yeah. now that I can kind of pick things up by ear. So you can do, you can do both, read and do the ear thing? Yeah, because he wouldn't let me just read. <laughs> Wow. You know, well, you're very lucky. Yeah, so that's he's an inspiration in that way. And then my mother doesn't particularly have a note in her head, but uh, she's a very, very strong woman. You know, a woman who comes through adversity and doesn't yeah. take shit from anyone. And um, yeah, inspiring in that kind of way. So. Fantastic. And how about you, Emma? I have no clue after that comment. No, <laughs> my it's parents hard to follow. Uh, like, I wouldn't say my parents anyway, but uh, oh god, <laughs> I love my parents. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I don't know if they. Well, I I don't know. They are they of, very different to you, your parents, or do you think? Um, are they very different to me? It's just I imagine your mother over in Portugal with her chickens. I kind of see her a bit like. Yeah, they were both very hippie-ish, you know, my, my dad was off and went off with motorbikes and went off all around the world and went off to Morocco with a camper van and, you know, did all this stuff and my mum was a bit of a bit of a hippie. And well, they must have inspired you then. <laughs> yeah, they must have. <laughs> I know, when I say it like this, I mean, they must have done, but uh, I don't know, influential people, I, I'm, I really don't know. Um, Annie DeFranco was my big one. Annie DeFranco yeah. for sure. Why yeah. Annie DeFranco? Both of you. Yeah. Why? We went to see her in Dublin together actually. Yeah. And she I've was seen her. I saw her for the first time. I think I was yeah, thirteen. Really young, yeah. And it was I was playing a session. I must have been about twelve. It was maybe the year before the gig. I was playing a session up in in Westport. We used to go there every summer, and I used to play in this little pub with my dad and his friends and uh, there was a man I always remember this man he was like the fishing bailiff the local you know the guy who makes sure people aren't fishing where they shouldn't be or mm. fishing fish that they shouldn't um, but he had apparently the biggest collection of recorded music that my father had ever seen but he and he would you know obviously living in Westport not much to do but he would mail order CDs mm. and just had this huge collection just like a sponge for music and he came in one time and he gave me a couple of cassettes of Annie DeFranco albums I had never heard of her yeah no at still at this time she was probably still very much college radio type listening in the states you know and uh, he would get like fruits magazine and all those kind of music things and uh, or just order stuff that he'd never heard just to see if it was any good and he brought me in these cassettes three albums there was the first one and uh, not a pretty girl which was a bit of a that was still in her fairly feminist lesbian <laughs> stage and then dilate which was the most amazing album and a huge inspiration on me uh where she fell in love with a man and it was all very horrible and complicated and it was an album where she vomited out all this <laughs> horrific emotional <laughs> stuff you know and then next thing you know I was massively into it like just 
loved it, got more and more albums, and then she was playing in Dublin. Yeah. And I remember because it was midnight at the Olympia, and I was like 13, and my parents said to me, now, it's midnight at the Olympia, you're only allowed to go if your big sister brings you and she's to babysit you for the night and we'll collect you from outside the door. <laughs> and uh, we went, and my sister did not want to go. She called her the fuck lady, because the first song on Dilate there's a lot of fucks in it and my sister's like oh that annoying fuck lady she's like fuck fuck my period fuck fuck <laughs> and when we came out of the gig Fiona bought three albums from the, you know, the merch stand fell in love I felt she's amazing recorded artist but you have to see her live mm. yeah, there's something and I think I've seen her five times since then wow. and every performance is completely different but completely honest but what she did when she was and uh, 19 there were a lot of labels interested in her and offering her deals for this that and the other and she went down to city hall and bought a 50 dollar license to start her own record label wow. righteous, righteous babe, babe. Yeah. yeah and she she owns everything like it's so it's not just from it's musical amazing. musically amazing amazing but, but business woman yeah. yeah wow and just refusing to compromise she owns i read an article about how you know per unit sold that one of the artists who has who earns the highest amount per unit sold is Prince and oh. she earns I think seven times as much because she owns her own publishing she owns you know everything and she it's signs other artists now to her label yeah, fantastic she works in grassroots politics and she supports the Democrats and she does political rallies and you know she's kind of but what I love the most is that she was this huge feminist lesbian icon by the time Not A Pretty Girl came out, that album, and then she fell in love with the man and brought out Dilate and all the lesbians were like, oh my God, what is this? <laughs> and all these songs about heartbreak and being, you know, stamped on. And then she married him, but then they got divorced and then there was another hideous heart stamped on album that I also loved. <laughs> and now There's she's married here. again. She has, she has a kid, I think she's just had a second kid mm. and she's yeah. happily married again and... and it's the way that she went, yeah, I fell in love with this guy, I got married. Who care? You know, you all think I'm some feminist lesbian icon? Think away. I'm going to do yeah. what I want and what makes me happy. And, and do either of you meditate? Yeah. No. Wow. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> that is interesting. But my meditation is playing, I stand. Yeah. 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 Again, I'm engrossed yeah. in that. Yeah. And did you, with all your travels now, did you study a little bit of meditation? Or is yeah, it? yeah, yeah. I went to Burma and I did a vipassana, ten day retreat thing, which was my first introduction to meditation, really first proper one. And fuck, it was so hard. <laughs> <laughs> did they get you up at five in the morning? Ah, oh, four. You're, four. Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to start meditating at four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you have breakfast at six. You have lunch at eleven, and that's the last time you eat all day. And you silence. 10 days so you eat at 6 in the morning and 11 and that's it that's it yeah you only have two meals a day yeah and you're meditating you do one hour sitting one hour walking one hour sitting one hour walking and that's all through the day you do meet your 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 guru i would be that person with the machete going insane oh, shit. <laughs> you know? so like, hard. that is like my worst nightmare it's so hard you're not even allowed to write anything down like i was like please at least let me write down some of these crazy thoughts that you're having and they go no you can't even write it down it's oh it's insane but you did enjoy it right i i i it, i did enjoy it i also hated it i 
Is it one of those things you enjoyed it in retrospect, you know? No, no, because it's really interesting the way your mind plays tricks on you. You know, your inner voice really, once you hear it, once you listen to it, your inner monologue, it's like, where does that voice come from? It's like, that isn't me, but it is a part of you. It's, it's insane. It's really insane. And once you break it down and you kind of hold it and then you go, oh, there's that thought again. And then you're going, I'm thinking about that thought. No, I should be thinking about my breathing. And it, and it literally drives you, it, it drives you bonkers, actually. But... But you do, you do learn a lot about yourself, and you do learn a lot about your inner monologue and your your inner thoughts and your your demons and your. I don't think I want to know that much about it's, myself. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's fascinating, and I did really love it, and I did then after that go and sit and meditate quite regularly for 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 many for many months, and then of course I came back to Ireland and started drinking again. <laughs> 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 and then that was that and then no but I do I, I kind of go through phases when I do meditate and don't and then but you have to be religious about it and I'm not yet I do try to be but are either of you religious actually no hardcore atheist yeah hardcore. I had myself removed from the baptismal registry you did wow you're the yeah. only person I know who's I got in there that. before they stopped um, you know because after a while I think they had so many requests that they came up with this ridiculous excuse about canon law and etc etc but mm. I got in there before that happened so I got the letter I was officially removed wow <laughs> how did that feel and like not getting that letter amazing and it's not it's not because of my atheism you know I know plenty of atheists who don't consider themselves Catholics but are still on the register or whatever you know it's whatever but it, to me it was a personal statement of protest against the Catholic Church and it's not being you know it's not that I didn't want to be a member of an organized religion I don't really give a crap it's that the the Catholic Church in particular to me is like the poison in Irish society it really so yeah. it was just after the I can't remember was it the Murphy or the Ryan report and I just felt so enraged and sick yeah and I fired off the letter and I got a letter back saying, oh, you should be writing to this diocese, you should be writing to... Because I wasn't sure whether it was the one you were baptised or the one you were communed or confirmed. And I had to write a couple of different letters, but I eventually mm. got a confirmation letter back. And they weren't in any way... I won't say they were understanding about it, but, you know, there was no snottiness or no... They didn't particularly make it difficult for me. Almost mm. as if they were quite respectful of my decision or something. Oh. And the letter was framed oh. in the bottom bathroom now. <laughs> Is it? No. Well, I don't know what I did with the <laughs> And I I remember thinking, God, you know, people are going to be shocked or whatever. But I think a lot of people I spoke to were like, I totally understand why you did that. You know, Respected your decision. I think my parents made a bit of a joke about it, but I think my mom maybe is was a little bit bothered by the fact like I can't have a church funeral or if I, I can't have a church wedding or mm-hmm. if I have children they can't be baptised and you know that doesn't bother me at all because yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't have done it anyway but I think maybe like God forbid say if I passed away next week my parents wouldn't be able to have maybe the funeral that they would imagine okay, yeah. for me but so maybe I don't know I just felt like even though I'm only one person and it makes absolutely no difference to the Catholic Church, I felt like I had to make a gesture of protest or something. And would that be more important even than voting? 
during an election in Ireland? Yeah, yes, I think so, because I, I don't believe that what I did changes anything. But then again, I don't really see that my vote would change anything either, unfortunately. Yeah. That's how politics works, you know. Do you feel the same way that, do you think your vote counts? You know the way there's so much focus now, oh, people died for your vote, and I don't know if you can vote in Ireland, but do you vote, Emma? I have voted, yeah. I don't, I'm not actually signed up now that I've just moved down to West Cork, but um, yeah, I have voted, yeah. And do you think your vote makes a difference? I don't really know. Yeah, I'm kind really of the know. same. I'm the same. I don't know. I don't what know. usually happens, like say with the general election, there's never anyone that I would be bothered voting for. So is there any point voting for the best of a bad bunch? Well, this is what people say about, you know, not wasting your vote and not ruining your vote. But then, as you say, hmm. you know, why And I mean... Is my choice of the best of a bad bunch is probably nobody else's or not many other people's choice so they're not going to get elected anyway mm. yeah so what's the point if there's no one i look up to and respect enough in politics to really want to support why would i bother voting for them mm. Mm. so girls um to finish up i would i just like to ask you um what advice would you have for anybody um who would like to get into the field of arts that you're in for photography, I'd just say just just pick up a camera and photograph everything. Just photograph your friends, photograph your environment. I mean, it's kind of you know kind of basic stuff, but definitely just and just photograph whatever else interests you. Do you know? Don't just pick up a camera and just be interested in the photography. I guess pick pick up you know if you're interested in flowers, photograph the flowers or the gardening or whatever it is. Do you know what I mean? Whatever it is that you're interested in, photograph that as well as the photography. I guess and then then more. We'll grow from that, I guess. Cool. And Sheila? I think if you're going to go into music, this is awfully hard-nosed, but get your qualifications to teach because you probably won't make any money. <laughs> oh, gosh! <laughs> it's true, though. I mean, you know, yeah. it's it's tough, tough business. Very tough business. So if you have that to kind of to have in the background as well, you're still involved in music and it's incredibly rewarding and interesting work. But you'll be making some money. Okay. So on that note, thank you very much. That's a horrible way to end. It. <laughs> oh, okay. Think of some positive also, thing. Okay. okay. Well, aside from that, I think one thing I really learned is don't be snotty about music. Don't listen to everything. Try everything. Don't. Um. What is it? Don't dismiss any music out of hand because amazing music can be found in. Strangest places. Oh, lovely. That is a nice way to end it. <laughs> at so this point, at this point, we should have a pit. We should have some um, audio of Jim with his saw. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jim. He's a friend of mine. Plays the saw. A saw with a with a bow. Well, we can try and get on with that. Audio. <laughs> if there's any there, we'll try. And if we don't have it at the end, that means we could get hold of it. <laughs> Just put something else then. So thanks, many girls. Thank you. Very Thank interesting you. ladies, and it's uh, an honour to chat. Thanks, many. Thanks. <laughs>